Hello, Hoopers. Thanks for joining me again. We are still in our throwback, and today I'm looking at August 8th of 2004. And this message was titled, Sharing Hope with Believers. For this one, we went to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to read all those verses, uh, but we are going to try to talk about them a little bit as we go here. Because the concept behind this is that when we talk about overflowing with hope, and obviously hope is a very central part of our church's identity. It is our very name. So we talk about sharing hope, but most of the time when we talk about that, believers' minds going to sharing hope with unbelievers, people who are on the outside of faith, or even people who are far, far away from God. Maybe they have been believers, they are believers, but they've left behind their relationship with Jesus a long time ago, and they're living far away from it right now, almost like the prodigal son. But I really believe, and I, when we started the church, and I still believe it today, that some of the biggest and most regular part of us sharing hope is sharing hope with one another. The, some of the reason we are in fellowship together is so that we can share hope with each other. And I, I want to look at some of the common problems that we encounter among fellow believers who lose hope, who are losing hope. Maybe you know it and maybe you don't. But what I said that day, and I think this is still true, all of the problems that people have, believers have who lose hope, seem to have a common source. They involve a truth problem. There is some truth that they missed or some truth that they forgot. It derailed their lives because they, they lost track of what's real, of what's true. What they know in their soul is true, but they haven't set their mind on it for a while. Maybe they were misinformed. Maybe they were mistreated. Maybe they were uninformed. But the reality is they are living outside of truth and therefore they are living outside of hope. And so as believers, we have the opportunity to live calling them back into hope, sharing hope with them, letting hope overflow from us into them. So I began with two types of interaction. In verse 24, I called this the harsh word. It says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The word spur on is the word in Greek for provoke. It comes from two words, near and around, so in contact with, and the word acid. <laughs> so it gives you a sense that this is not an easygoing conversation. This is a provoking conversation, one that causes pain, one that demands action. It is confrontation and correction, a pushing. There's pressure applied. It means that you have a close relationship with someone so much so that when they are off track, you can kind of, I don't say get in their face exactly, but that's the idea is you can go after them a little bit and you can say, man, what's going on? You're, you're going off the rails here, or you, you have lost your hope. Why have you lost your hope? You've started acting like God isn't able, or God doesn't love you, or you, you kind of confront them a little bit. So I called that a harsh word, and that's what we see it by provoking one another to love and good works. Come on, let's get going. Let's do this thing, right? But then verse 25, I called that a tender word, which is more like this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is Christ's return. Encouraging one another. The word there is to uh, implore or invite or embrace. There's a tenderness to this that says, come on, man. And the idea of encouraging has that sense of this person's broken down. This person's discouraged. They've, they've faced a lot of woundedness and they're tired. They need somebody to come and say, come on, man, you can do it. 
Sometimes we need to know someone well enough to know whether they need the provoking or the encouraging. And sometimes we need the courage to do one or the other instead of just standing by and watching and saying, whose business is it mine, of mine to judge them? No, we are called in fellowship to share hope with each other. And sometimes that means initiating those conversations. Then I went into some of the truths that commonly need sharing when we're talking about restoring hope in a believer's uh, life. One of them is who God is. Uh, I, I looked at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, that is his body. Remember, we have access to him. Remember, God made a way for us to come close to him. That's who God is. So I don't have to ever allow myself to believe that God doesn't like me or want me or has, I hasn't invited me into his presence. He has. Verse 21, we have an advocate. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, the idea there is that Jesus is on our side. He is ministering to our soul through the Holy Spirit. He is teaching us and keeping us spiritually healthy. So one of the common truths that we need to share with believers when they're losing hope is, hey, remember who God actually is. Not who he feels like right now, but who he actually is. The second thing, the second truth that was commonly needed that I still think is true today, true values, what's really important in this life. I took that from verse 22, which says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The idea is let us draw near really is talking about worship. Let us draw near is an Old Testament reference of coming near to the tabernacle, the place of God, the altars. Let us draw near to God. It's talking about worship. And the word worship comes from the word worth, ascribing worth, giving the sense that something is worthwhile. When we worship Jesus, what we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, you're the one who has value. What you say is true, and you're the one that we trust. And so worship is ascribing worth to him. Believers lose hope when they idolize other things, when they put worth on other things beside Jesus, which is why Colossians 3, 1 and 2 tells, set your mind on things above, set your heart on things above. Uh, why Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Where we are is we have to be people that follow what we say has value, and what we say has value is Jesus Christ. When we say that, then we have to live it. And when we don't, we lose hope. The last thing I said is, in order to be corrected away from a hopeless Christian life into a Christian life, is remember what makes Christianity work. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. This is what makes Christianity work, to hold on to the hope we profess. We say there's hope. Let's hold on to it in our souls. Because God is faithful. And I can say that and I can mean it. And then I can struggle to hold on to it when the storm comes. But man, this is how we share hope with each other by reminding one another that God is faithful. And so we encourage, we challenge, we charge one another to hold unswervingly without losing our sight, without losing our grip, hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. I believe that God has called us to share hope, to overflow with hope, certainly to those who don't know Jesus. But I think more regularly, Sunday 
after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, small group after small group, and throughout the week, text conversations and emails and bump into's and all those things. God has called us to share hope with one another because believers, while we've been given hope, doesn't mean we always live in it and we need community to bring us back to it. So this week, let's look for opportunities to share hope with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to set their feet back on the solid ground, knowing that our God is faithful and that their trust in Him is absolutely secure.